movies of George Lucas may be defined as being in the commercial mainstream of Hollywood, but the filmmaker himself and his operations are at the other end of the state. This is Skywalker Ranch, over 3,600 acres an hour north of San Francisco in the rolling hills of Marin County, the headquarters of the cinema empire known as Lucasfilm. All of the buildings are new, but made to look old. For example, the large white frame Victorian mansion that is the headquarters building. The tech building resembles a large winery that holds not wine vats, but a recording stage, dubbing stage, mixing rooms. This is a facility that's designed for pre-production, which is mainly writing scripts. We have a very large research library, music library, video library. And then uh, it's a big post-production facility. This, this part that we're in here is, is the post-production facility where we do all the sound work and the editing and, uh, and uh, all the finishing of the movie. George Lucas says he expects the Land Crusade to last for a number of years. Jim Brown, NBC News, on Skywalker Ranch near San Francisco. If you follow us on any kind of social media, anything you've seen, what we've been up to, <laughs> yeah, it was a it was a crazy weekend, but it wasn't the weekend. It was like the second, like a second weekend. We had the weekend to prepare for our beginning of the week, second weekend, where yeah, things got a little crazy. The ultimate three day trip to all the hot spots. Of Northern California, all the Star Wars hotspots. Will we ever recover? I don't know. We were, we were talking before we started recording. It was like, it's not like we didn't get enough sleep when we were there. We got like plenty of sleep. It was fine. But we got back and we were like, both of us independently were like, <laughs> I think it was just like Thursday when we got back. I was, I couldn't even have a complete thought in my head. I was just like, Skywalker, Skywalker Ranch. I was like Luke laying in the snow in Hoth. Like, Skywalker Ranch, Lucasfilm, Ranch Obi-Wan, in and out. (laughs) It was like 48 hours of nonstop Star Wars magic, really, that, you know, we got there and 
we just we never stopped. We stopped to eat and sleep, and that was it. And maybe like try and find where we're going next. <laughs> Pull up the map. Okay, we got to go this way. Back over the bridge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I was saying, and I was talking about it a lot when we were there on the on the flight down and on the flight back. I read all of the Motley Crue biography book, The Dirt, and I was going into the whole weekend with the the spirits of Tommy Lee and Nikki Six and Vince Neil and Mick Mars guiding me. Crazy tours. We got to keep going. I can't let Mick Mars down. Like I had Motley Crue energy is what I'm trying to say going into the whole trip. Not really, but kind of in a very not quite decadent way. But it was, I mean, it is kind of fitting. It was like, literally, we got off the plane, got in the car, went to something, got in the car, went to something else, passed out in our hotel room, got up, got in a car, went to something, immediately went to something else, tried to eat some food in between. So, you know, it was like a mini, mini tour, a world tour of San, San Francisco, driving up and down crazy hills, <laughs> talking to people. All right, well, we got to go. All right, then we got to go to the next thing. <laughs> Get in the car and go. Yeah. Oh, my God. So if you don't follow us on social media, if you're like, what are you guys even talking about? Last week, we were in San Francisco, California, and we did Rancho Obi-Wan, Skywalker Ranch, and then Lucasfilm. And we topped it all off, the cherry on top, with a screening of the first three episodes of The Bad Batch, season three, at Lucasfilm. Yeah, and it really was like even the the lead up to it was kind of crazy because, you know, we got the email like, oh, cool, they're doing a screening at Lucasfilm of Bad Batch. Man, that would be awesome to go to. Too bad we don't live in San Francisco. And then, you know, was it like the next day you were like, maybe we should do it? <laughs> it was my it was that night. It was my family who I got home and I was like, oh, look at this. I got, you know, you got got invited to this Bad Batch thing. And they were like, well, why don't you go? Why don't you go? And then I texted you and I was like, everybody thinks we should go. What do you, what do you, what are your thoughts? And then it was just like, well, what if we did all the stuff? And it's like, could we do all the stuff? And it's like, oh, we can do all the stuff. And then it's like, oh, we can do all the stuff. Maybe we should do this. And then it was like, oh my God, we're doing this. Yeah. And by the way, it was like the next, <laughs> the next day we had plane tickets and we we're like, screw it. We're doing it. Let's. <laughs> <laughs> Let's make it happen. That's you know what, and that's Motley Crue energy. Yeah, that, <laughs> right. If we called Nikki Six and we we're like Nikki Six, we need your help. What should we do? He'd be like, "You guys got to, you dudes got to do it, man." It's not always good to get advice from Motley Crue, but in this case, it worked out. There should be like the Motley Crue magic eight ball, but every <laughs> everything that it says is just, dude, you got to do it. And instead of the ball being filled with some weird liquid, it's just filled with, like, whiskey. <laughs> Jack Daniels. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> and we're so wild, we didn't drink any alcohol at all. No. No. We were so wild, we didn't even drink any water. <laughs> <laughs> we kept talking to each other all weekend, like, I really need to drink some water. Yeah. If only we had time for water. It's just coffee, just coffee. Got to keep going, keep going, keep going. Coffee, yeah. coffee and cheeseburgers and egg sandwiches. That's what was happening. But it was raining in San Francisco. So we did like absorb water through our skin like fish people. So that, you know, that kept us moist. I should have just opened my mouth to the sky and been like, all right, I'm good. Yeah, you didn't. 
No, I didn't. <laughs> so let's let's go over it all. So we we fly down there, um, and we both of our planes leaving Illinois and Michigan were delayed. So we uh, arrived in San Francisco. You had a rental car. You picked me up outside the airport. Bags still in the car, and we immediately went straight to Petaluma to Rancho Obi Wan. Yeah, we made it with ten minutes to spare. It was like exactly perfect timing to show up. Yeah, Rancho Obi Wan is pretty amazing. It is really a ranch. It's a farm in the middle of farmland, <laughs> which was kind of wild. It's like we knew it was, but you don't really realize that it really is until you're there. And there's like cows and sheep across the street and nature everywhere yeah yeah there's a chicken coop in the back and we went out to to see the chickens and the chickens all came out and yeah it was pretty unbelievable because yeah we pulled in and there's steve sansweet on the porch being steve sansweet and the wonderful ann newman they come out and they're talking to us and it was the two of us and our friend christina from Skywalker Sound, who we last saw at Celebration Chicago years and years and years ago, which that was great. So it was just the three of us going on a tour of Rancho Obi-Wan with, with Anne in the beginning. And I, I was just, I still think it's so surreal because when I look at the pictures and I think back that like, oh my God, we were in Rancho Obi-Wan. I've watched so many videos of tours of Rancho Obi-Wan and it kind of it was it was a thing like where you've seen something so much and then when you're actually there you're just like oh my god I'm actually here yeah cuz it's it's pretty overwhelming and i think uh i think i described it as overwhelmingly awesome because literally everywhere you look is is something to see and and is amazing she had so much information she's so much fun yeah, like literally just walking in the first little hallway where there's movie posters on the walls and action figures. Like just that hallway is like this is this is pretty amazing. And like you're not even in the museum yet. Like you're just in the hallway and you're like this this hallway could be a museum. You go into the main part and literally everywhere you look, you look up, you look around, there's unbelievable things. And the thing I like a lot about Rancho Obi-Wan is it's not just like, here's a bunch of Star Wars action figures. Here's stuff. Here's stuff that came out. It's got so much character and it shows the, it's, it's not even so much about the stuff. It's about the fandom and the fact that there is this much stuff and we want this much stuff and we love this much stuff. And there's so many cool fan made things there and so it's like you've got you know this incredible lego display or this literal monument of vintage action figures like in a giant circle but then also you've got stuff from all around the world and like i said crazy fan made stuff has as much attention there as original carded action figures or a rocket firing Boba Fett or something in the flesh. It's just, it's such an amazing place. Well, and especially seeing, you know, things that are from 
1977 and then you turn in your head and there's things that are from you know 2023 like there's still new stuff coming out and new stuff to collect and the you know ranch obi-wan has it all like if there's any era of star wars you're you're into they have it yeah fan stuff foreign stuff it's crazy it really is crazy and literally yeah you're trying to look at like the shelves that are like the curated stuff at the moment but if you look anywhere else there's just something to see everywhere you look posters on the wall things piled up in the corner it's just yeah it's it's incredible it really is incredible you just get the the love that steve and ann have for this stuff and how many hours were we in there like did you think about that we walked outside and it was starting to get dark and i was like wait a minute what happened because we like you said we got off the plane at like 1 p.m i don't i don't like i don't know where that time went like we went through some sort of like time vortex when we were in there maybe that was helped with us getting used to the time difference from the midwest out to northern california because that was just like wait what happened because we were outside talking to christina afterwards and it was like wait a minute how is it so late yeah well it's like when people go like deep sea diving and then they come up and they have to like go in the like decompression chamber to like reacclimate their bodies it was kind of like we went in the star wars decompression chamber to acclimate our bodies to the rest of the week <laughs> And it's like we got you got to spend three hours in Rancher Obi Wan to get ready. <laughs> Otherwise, your blood will boil and you'll explode. The tour is so neat too, where it ends up in the big room with the art collection and the arcade back there, and the art collection is absolutely insane. And like St- Steve Sansweet at the end was like, "Do you guys have any questions?" And we're like, "No, we're just trying to absorb it all." <laughs> Well, because then they 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 kind of topped off the tour with the the TV, the like Star Wars themed TV that had the like demo mode that just showed like an ad for the Blu-ray set that was like built into the TV, and it's like showing the Death Star trench run in like six different screens at the same time. Like I think that was a real thing. It wasn't just me starting to hallucinate at the end there. Yeah, I seriously felt like I was going insane at that moment. <laughs> And I was still thinking about the the George Lucas Super Live Adventure shelf. There's a whole shelf dedicated to George Lucas Super Live Adventure stuff. That and I can't stop thinking about there was a, I can't remember what country it was, but like a bootleg prune face figure where he's wearing like a jumpsuit. And somehow neither of us took a picture of it. So it just lives in my dreams now. But what's funny is there was some stuff I took pictures of, but I actually didn't. Like, <laughs> mentally, I thought I was taking a picture of it. And then later, like, because we went to In-N-Out afterwards because we're in California and that's what you do. And I was, like, looking through the pictures I took and I was like, I'm missing a bunch of photos. Like, I was saying to you, and I was like, I swear I took a picture of the the bootleg prune face in a jumpsuit. And it wasn't there. I think my camera was just like, you can't, there's some things you can never remember. So you, you can just keep it in your brain. Yeah. Your phone, you had like survival mode turned on where your phone's like, no, no, you can't have a picture of this or you won't survive. This can only live in your, in your dreams. It's too intense to have a photo of. Rancho Obi-Wan was pure magic. It was so great. Steve Sansweet, living legend out there in Petaluma, California. Don't miss if you're in the area, you've got to go. You've got to go. Yeah. 
Yeah, because it really was one of those things where, like, you know, you talk to people who went, and they're like, oh, it's amazing. And you see pictures, and you're like, man, that looks so incredible. But it's like pictures pictures can't do justice to just how overwhelming it is. And just, yeah, anywhere, everywhere you look, you're just surrounded by Star Wars insanity. Decades of Star Wars insanity just surrounding you. Like, it is. It's like if you close your eyes and just imagine – being in Star Wars heaven, you can open your eyes in Rancho Obi-Wan and it's real. <laughs> so then we went to In-N-Out. We were starving hungry and it was delicious. And then we went down to San Anselmo and we went to the Imagination Park there to see the Indiana Jones statue and the Yoda statue that is there. And we were joined by... A superstar of the weekday weekend, Phil Showstack. Yeah, Phil stopped by just to say hi and uh, tell us about the the history of Imagination Park and how you know George Lucas decided to make a park to celebrate uh, the the creation of his two most maybe iconic characters. So yeah, there's the statue of Indy, the statue of Yoda, uh, and I think what some of the historical significance is it's like next door to the San Anselmo City Hall where like Lucasfilm was incorporated and it's just cool to be in like this little chill park that has a you know a life-size Indiana Jones statue which was covered in cobwebs which was completely fitting of a Indiana Jones statue and there's like benches all around the the two statues and I was saying that I just want to just every day just like pack a lunch and sit there and just look at the statues. And people can just come talk to me. People can be like, hey, what's going on? Be like, what do you think about Indy today? Be like, well, he's looking he's looking really good. I'm thinking about Dow Destiny, and I'm feeling pretty good. Yeah. Get up in the morning, pack a lunch, spend the day on the bench, go home, mm-hmm. go to bed, do it again the next day. It's like Tuesdays and Thursdays, I sit across from Yoda. Monday, Wednesday, Friday, I sit across from Indy. And come talk to me. Come find me. I'll be there. I'm just think just thinking about either Yoda or Indiana Jones. It's really no different than normal life. I'm just not on a bench in San Anselmo, California. Well, it's like a park celebrating our normal life, which is either thinking about Yoda or Indiana Jones. Right. <laughs> and sometimes we sit on a bench because we're tired because we've been thinking so hard. There's like a little cafe across the street. Maybe I'll go over there and get some coffee. Maybe I'll get like a little sandwich or something. They probably got little pastries and stuff. I'll be fine. I'll be totally fine. Maybe Phil Showstack will come put a blanket on me. It's like, you you smell pretty bad, dude. (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm never leaving. So then we finally went to our hotel in San Francisco. And then we got up the next day. This is Tuesday. This is the big day. And we went to... Mel's Drive-In, which there's a bunch of locations, and we were at the one what, on Lombard Street in San Francisco. Yeah, the Mel's Diner kind of themed by Mel's Diner in American Graffiti, and we still haven't figured out if if the Mel's Diner in American Graffiti is inspired by a real Mel's Diner or if this Mel's Diner is inspired by the movie and pretending to be the original Mel's Diner that inspired American Graffiti. Whatever it is, I kind of don't want to know the truth because it was just fun to go and eat really, really good d- diner food surrounded by pictures of 
George Lucas. It's we, you know, if there if there's a restaurant in town that has pictures of George Lucas on the wall, several pictures of George Lucas on the wall, and is kind of loosely based around American graffiti, which there's tons of American graffiti pictures. I have a kids menu, which on the back of the kids menu has the American graffiti poster that kids can color. Everyone's all the kids are into American graffiti. And yeah, like you said, it was actually surprisingly like really good diner food. We're like this, everything we got was like, this is actually like really good. Good coffee, good vibes, good music. They're playing the soundtrack from Greece. Deep deep cuts off Greece while we were there. We were like, this is great. What else could we ask for? Yeah. It was one of those moments where it's like, are we still alive? Because this is kind of crazy. Like maybe, maybe both of our planes crashed and we're dead. Because we went to Rancho Obi-Wan. We're in San Francisco. We're somehow, yeah, in an American graffiti slash Greece restaurant eating incredible breakfast food. How how is this happening? So that was great. And, but we had to go, and we had to get in the car, and we had to drive to Skywalker Ranch. No big deal. The drive out there is insane. You've got to really want to go to Skywalker Ranch because it twists, it turns, and it's raining. And <laughs> it was kind of wild. Yeah, because there was some, some warning of like, hey, you know, the weather's supposed to be bad. You Be careful. And it's like, yeah, yeah, whatever. It's it's a highway. It's a road. It's fine. And then you're out there and you're like, oh, I'm kind of like on the side of like a big, big mountain hill and there's like no railing here. So, okay, this is kind of, <laughs> maybe this is kind of intense. It's really, really sharp, twisty, turny curves. And then we got to Skywalker Ranch and we had been saying for a long time, even if we just got in like a security, like I've had this long 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 dream of just getting through the security at skywalker ranch and literally that i would like we said that would have been fine if we just got through security and then they're like okay now you guys have to turn around and leave right then like okay we we made it into the door that's fine well and even yeah before that it's like there's a gate that you get in before security and it's like okay we got through that gate and we're like oh what what's going on okay we're here we made it <laughs> for step one and then you get to yeah the second gate and it's like oh there's the security person it's like are they gonna let us in and they did <laughs> <laughs> so it's like uh-oh and then the yeah there's that moment of driving in it's like going into galaxy's edge and you're like, this is amazing. This is cool. And then you see the Falcon and you're like, oh, you know, it driving into Skywalker Ranch is just like that. Yeah. Well, it's like you're in a state park or a campground or something and you're driving down this road and it's like, it feels like you're in the, in the woods or something. And you're just like, where, where am I? Like driving into a cloud or something like you just have no idea where you're, where you're going to come out on the other end until, yeah, then then you do, and you're like, holy cow, we're in Skywalker Ranch. <laughs> and it's beautiful. It's Even though it was raining when we were there, it, it's it's beautiful. And like Tom Spina said something to us that I kept thinking about, where it's like, it's not Star Wars, but it's George Lucas. It's very George Lucas. And it's spread out, and it's nature, and it's so calming there and it's so 
it's just everything is so thought out and it's just there was just an air of just like and it's something we'll talk about later with this whole experience and the places we went but it's like this this air of like chill about every area of it it was amazing yeah it was super calm and you know i think it didn't it didn't register to me until i was there of like how much it's just you're in a valley you're surrounded by these beautiful hills and it's just it's you know it's quiet it's calm it's beautiful there yeah it's like like something out of a dream so then we pull into uh the tech building where we were going to be spending a lot of our time and at at skywalker sound and we are met by the wonderful mac mac smith who was our tour guide for the day and we are waiting uh, for him in the 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 main like the the main the, the they call it the entertainment area I think of the tech building and you know there's the the vintage posters all around everything's wood it's quiet it's incredibly gorgeous there's you know sunlight what little sunlight there is coming in from the ceiling. And you and I, like, we weren't even talking. We were just nonstop, just, like, looking around with our eyes probably huge. Just like, oh. Yeah. Well, we were like, Is this, are we even in the right place? <laughs> are they going to throw us? Did we walk in the wrong door? Are they going to throw us out? Any minute, they're going to throw us out. And if anyone ever did, like, you guys got to go. Be like, okay, that's fine. Yeah. You, you listen to the Norky episode? Okay. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, it's fine. We'll, we'll work on and then what we started out with the demo right with the the here's what we do here at skywalker sound demo yeah in the beautiful the stag theater at skywalker sound maybe the best one of the best theaters in the planet maybe the best theater on the planet maybe the best sounding i don't know but it sounded so good i've never heard anything that loud and that crystal clear like it was Oh, it just, yeah, it sounded so good. It's like, I'm sure people work with Skywalker sound just to hear their movie in that theater. Like that's, that's reward enough. And yeah, getting to sit there and get a couple demos of kind of highlights of, of Skywalker sounds career. And some of them, of course, there's kind of star Wars themed, which made it even more incredible. We got to give a shout out to the projectionist at the, the stag theater jt the great jt who the nicest guy in the world he's worked on any movie that you've loved in the past 25 years he's been involved in running the projector and showing these legendary people their their movies and jt had quite he had listened to some blast points episodes and was asking us questions which was wonderful and surreal and he was just like, okay, he he. So he's because he listened to episodes. He was kind of like saying, like, I'm going to give you guys the works, and we were like, you you give us everything you got. We're ready to go. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we saw so much incredible stuff. There was a montage of scenes from various movies that were all unbelievable. But one thing that we saw was a New Hope, 1977 Star Wars, what was filmed on set versus the final version or what you know the most recent whatever and it was a lot of the opening on the blockade runner and when leia's blockade runner was 
going up into the Star Destroyer, I, I'd never experienced that 1977 Star Wars in that way, where the floor was shaking. It was the most insane thing. And keep in mind, too, like JT is taking us to our seats, and he's like, which one of you does the George Lucas voice? And Gabe, you were you were ahead of me, and you were like, oh, that's Jason. And he was just like, well, okay, here's George's seat for you. And you were right next to me. So we were in like the George Lucas seats watching 1977 Star Wars bits of it in the stag theater at Skywalker sound. And it was, I literally, I had like watching that footage and thinking like, am I like, I'm in George Lucas's seat. Like my brain and like, I was having like a kind of like a freak out. Like I'm surprised like I didn't break out in like boils on my body or something. Like <laughs> that's why it was so good that the, everything was so loud. It's, you know, you couldn't hear us hyperventilating. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we, we we seemed really chill because it was so loud you couldn't hear us freaking out. Okay, I literally had kind of an out-of-body experience where I'm like, it was too much for me to process where I was like, I'm in George Lucas' seat. This is where this is. And it's like, this is the original movie on the screen. I'm in Skywalker Ranch. I'm in Skywalker. <laughs> you know, like at that moment, it all hit me. Yeah, because that was like, there wasn't any warm-up. It was like, literally, we 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 got in there and... Max, like, hey, you ready? You ready for a demo? And next thing you know, yeah, there we are, surrounded by the the giant Palpatine statues that are in the theater now, and uh, watching Star Wars at Skywalker Sound. Amazing picture, the most amazing picture and sound. Yeah, like you said, I've ever heard in a movie. And I said that to Mac afterwards. I said this is the most amazing thing I've ever experienced in a movie theater setting, and that's not like a lie that really was the most amazing thing I'd ever experienced. And then Mac went through and told us all the details where the speakers were. I could have, I could honestly still be on tour. And I think we did beg. We got more rooms to show you guys. That would be fine. Yeah. We could just still be wandering the Hills eating grapes. That's fine. Nikki six. We need your help. We got to get the, the Motley crew magic eight ball. Yeah, but yeah, after that, we needed a, we needed we needed a break, so we went and uh, Mac took us to the to like the cafeteria restaurant on the ranch for for lunch. That was kind of amazing. Like it was really good food. Like it was <laughs> it was as good as any restaurant I've been to for lunch. I got a club sandwich and sweet potato fries, and it was. Every bite of everything I took was like, holy crap. Like you guys were talking, like like conversations going on. And I kind of felt bad because I was just like eating my sandwich. Like, this is really good. No, me too. I got a, I got a BLT and I'm like, this bacon is so good. Like, <laughs> I, yeah, I want to talk and, 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 and be here. But it's like, I just got to focus on this bacon. And then to the point where I was like looking at what everyone because oh and it was me it was us and Mac and uh, we were joined once again by Christina and a friend of Christina's. I was like looking at what they were eating. like they had salads and I was like what are the salads like here? <laughs> I know they they're probably really good too. Uh, other people were coming in. 
I wouldn't even care who they were. You know, it's just like, what, what are they? What are they ordering here? And then later, of course, we heard Tom Spino was like, "Did you guys get the cookies?" And we were like, "No." And he's like, "Oh, should have gotten the cookies." I'm like, damn it, <laughs> yeah. we did, we didn't know about the cookies. Uh, yeah. So so after we were you know filled with some some tasty lunch, uh, we kind of did just a walk around the campus a little bit, and we walked up uh, the road from the cafeteria up to the main house. Down, down past Lake Ewok, you can't got many views of Lake Ewok. And there were so many times we were like, "Would we die if we drank water out of Lake Ewok?" <laughs> like, should, should, maybe we should go take a sip. Just can I can I strip down naked and be baptized in Lake Ewok? Yeah. Just 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 have somebody pull me under the water. Yeah, but man, yeah, walking up to the house, it's. So the the main house is closed to visitors uh, during the during the week, and so we couldn't go inside. But maybe that was for the best. It, absolutely, because <laughs> it was like that might have been too much. No complaints. I saw inside windows. There were lights on in there, and I was like, I don't want to know. I don't want to know anything. I'm I'm here. I can see it, and I'm not ready. I am not ready to go inside. Yeah, I was like, if I can be close to where Chewbacca was playing the drums for the Attack of the Clones MTV thing, then I'm good. Then we saw in Skywalker Sound, I mean, Mac was incredible. And we saw the, the mixing stage where the prequels were done, where all, from all the documentaries that we've watched over and over and over again, and then you're there in that room. And seeing those incredible mixing boards, it was just, you know, it was like history for us, like in the flesh and just the geniuses working there, what they do and thinking of like, and Mac was so great taking us through step by step. Like, this is what this area does. This is what this area does. And I don't, it was every, we're going to say this over and over. It was like a dream come true. It was just so great. Yeah, because I think as as cool as everything was at the ranch, that was like the high point for me was that the, the big the big mixing room where you know so many of the the, the prequel behind the scenes stuff was like them sitting in that room doing doing mixing the audio for those movies and like yeah being in there and and thinking about other than Star Wars too, just how many just huge classic movies that we love that were mixed in that room was just it was amazing. We saw the big the the recording studio stage, which had incredible sound walking in there. It was just an amazing place, you know. Yeah, I mean, there's not much else to say other than yeah, amazing is 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 almost like the perfect word because it's it's the most beautiful place you could work in an incredible world class facility filled by the best people in the world at what they do, doing their best work all the time, like. Yeah, it was really, really inspiring to be there and just kind of see, you know, see see behind the curtain a little bit where uh, where the where the magic comes from. See inside the see inside the hat where the where the rabbits jump out of. Like you said, inspiring too, because like talking to Mac and talking to JT and talking to Christina, they love it just like we do. Like they love what they're doing and they love the finished product. 
like it's not lost on them the magic of watching 1977 Star Wars footage on, on the most beautiful screen with the most insane sound in the world. Like they know how cool that is still. And that was really great. It's, it's not, it's, they're not, they're not taking anything for granted there. And it was just, uh, and then we had to leave and we were driving out and the, the gate to leave because we drove past the security and we're like, do we have to wave or do we have to say, do we have to do anything? And no, we were going to leave and the gate started to open up for us to leave Skywalker Ranch and the gate almost hit the car. <laughs> we were like, oh no, I'm going to have to return the rental car all dented up. It's like, don't worry, it was Skywalker, Skywalker Ranch hit us. It's, it's totally cool. <laughs> but it didn't. We made it out. Yeah, we managed to avoid the gate and get out and it was like, man, it's it's kind of sad we have to leave, but we're leaving because we're going to go tour Lucasfilm. <laughs> so I guess it's not so bad. <laughs> so, yeah, we drove straight to uh, to Lucasfilm and we park the car and we go in, we go past the Yoda fountain and we go in and out comes Phil Shostak again. Opens up the doors and is like, "Welcome to Lucasfilm." <laughs> and we began the 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 wild tour of the yeah the Lucasfilm headquarters down there, which was right out of the gate, just insane. Yeah, Lucasfilm headquarters is a little different than the ranch because it's kind of more geared for tours. But what's cool about that is there is literally. Lucasfilm history everywhere lined up in your face of, you know, props and matte paintings and and pictures and just all this stuff kind of celebrating the history of of Lucasfilm and ILM and there was a lot of stuff. Yeah, an insane amount of stuff. Absolutely insane amount amount of stuff. We took pictures of a lot of stuff, but there was so much stuff too that we didn't take pictures of because it was like I literally could have taken pictures of everything, but I was like at moments I had to just like catch my breath and yeah, we walked in and it was like donuts and pizza going on and people just hanging out and there was the bad batch screening that night. So there was a lot of kind of activity and people going through the halls, getting things ready, which was fun that we were there when like things were happening and they were getting stuff ready. Like we turned a corner and we saw D. D Bradley Baker and uh, Michelle Ang Omega and a bunch of people down in the animation area. And they were kind of hanging out, talking to the people actually probably in animation actually that work on the bad batch. Yeah. That was the thing too. It was neat. Just kind of seeing like, I don't know, because like watching the shows and being such a fan and thinking in your head, like how this goes, but then actually being there and seeing people, just working at Lucasfilm. Like they're just, they're making things happen here. These things that, you know, are our number one thing. And it's just, here's where people are like at work making this thing that we love. Yeah. Well, and it, it was kind of cool because, because the Bad Batch thing was going on. Like they had uh, the, the room where they filmed the, the Star Wars show and the, High Republic show, like all lit up, like they were, you know, going to be recording. So you could kind of look through the window in the hallway and 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 see the sets for those, which was really neat. Yeah. Other than you know the the tour stuff, just kind of seeing how cool of a place to work that is, because there's Star Wars stuff like kind of incorporated in 
the areas for employees. Like, you know, in the little like kitchenette area, there's like little silhouettes of Star Wars characters painted onto the onto the countertops. And there were like couches that looked like cantina booths with little glass cases with things from the from the sequel films, like in little cases and things from the original trilogy in little cases. Like it's just kind of everywhere you looked was was a piece of, you know, Lucasfilm in Star Wars history. And it's the thing too with Lucasfilm and Skywalker Ranch. I was when we I was saying this to Phil too that it was like there's it's such an amazing environment for creative energy. Like it was a similar kind of thing in both places where there's a lot of windows and there's good food and it's got to just it's designed to have this kind of relaxed atmosphere maybe like the lighting is kind of very natural in both places you just felt calm in both places which probably was good for us where we were like trying really hard to like keep it together and not get kicked out and not make a scene of any any of these places but it was like when i was there and it is again is the thing spina said to us it's not star wars it's george and it was like i get it where it's making the right environment to be to feel creative because in the end like whether it's star wars or it's indiana jones or whatever lucasfilm is doing or whatever project they're working on at in the tech building at skywalker sound you you've got to be very creative you're and to be creative you have to have it's it's totally true with any creative medium you've got to have the, an atmosphere that you can that that part of your brain can work in you can't have you can't you know well some people probably could be creative in chaos but i get it when i was there i was like this is the environment to think of star wars to to go like okay well what's it's like star wars is the most creative thing there is in my opinion it's a whole created world and the world keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger and they keep coming up with new stories that will continue to surprise us in new and interesting ways and that's the right way to do it. I got it when I was there. Yeah. And it's it's neat kind of comparing the two places, too, because you're on the ranch and you're kind of, you know, in this very peaceful area surrounded by nature. You know, everywhere you look, there's there's just hills and nature. And then you go to the Presidio complex and like similarly but different, you're surrounded by the city of San Francisco. And, you know, everywhere you look out the windows, there's beautiful views of the city, of the bridge, of the hills across the bay like it's in both cases you're just surrounded by beauty of different types and you know you can yeah put your head down and do your work but if you just kind of need to be inspired or chill out you just have to kind of lift your head up and look around and and yeah it's it's just they're amazing places to be and it was kind of cool at both places too kind of subtly surrounded by uh george lucasness with his extensive classic movie poster collection like both places where the walls are just covered with these enormous original movie posters from all these classic movies uh everywhere you look and it just kind of you know reminds you that these places are about making movies no it's just really neat that little bit of little bit of george kind of peeking at you out of those frames as you walk around I can't even start to imagine how many posters were on those walls and 
the the people whose job it was to frame those and get those up on the walls because they're everywhere everywhere you look is you start to get numb to it after a while of like this giant pristine Errol Flynn poster on the wall from who knows when from Italy or something and it's just and then every once in a while you come across like a Star Wars one that's massive and you're like wow this is wow you know the, uh, we couldn't tell if it was what what country maybe it was Polish uh, Saturday Night Fever poster with uh, Travolta from Greece on the cover <laughs> yeah with like a little twinkle in his eye yeah yeah Movie magic everywhere you look. Again, just like Mac Phil was an unbelievable host and tour guide, and you know there were we our Bad Batch screening started later, so we went up to a floor that, like you said, just was all just windows overlooking San Francisco, and we were out on like a deck. That might have even been my favorite part because it was just like we were out on this deck overlooking San Francisco, and just kind of chilling. And just talking, you know, because it was, that was like the only kind of downtime we had. We just kind of like, we're here, we're overlooking this beautiful city. There's the Golden Gate Bridge and we're just hanging out, chit-chatting. But that's like the thing with both those places. It's like when you're in the building, there's this incredible history and legacy and talent everywhere you look. And then you go outside and it's like the equal of that, but just in like, natural beauty and like the combination of the two is is really something special that both of these places have of that like it's like synergy of like creativity and then just the power of nature which is like it's very george lucasy and we were starting to get close to the bad batch screening which is neat because we were starting to see cosplayers and people in jedi robes and mandalorian helmets starting to show up and it was kind of like oh here we go and so then we we got another coffee and we said goodbye to Phil and we got in line out by the Yoda statue to get into the Bad Batch screening. And we were met by uh, Silver, Star Wars Thrifting, our friend Silver, which was great to see her again. And her sister Miranda, who was hilarious. The uh, perpetual plus one, she said. <laughs> She's... <laughs> If there's a plus one, it's Miranda in Silver. Miranda had never seen any Bad Batch ever, so I guess Silver was kind of filling her in on the last two seasons on the way down. And and yeah, we were in line uh, outside the theater, which was great. It had like a celebration vibe to it. Uh, we met listener Nader, who is in uh, the the Blast Points Chill Group on Facebook, and his wife. That was super awesome. Sarah from... The Golden Gate Garrison was talking to us for a while, gave us some patches. She was super nice. And then they let us in, right? They let us in, and we got into the screening. Yeah, after that, uh, and like you said, it was kind of like a little mini celebration vibe hanging out outside by the Yoda Fountain, which is, not, you know, which is probably one of the best places to hang out by the Yoda Fountain. Yeah, they let us in, and we got seats. We sat down, and I kind of feel like this was another thing where it was just like there was so much going on it didn't really register until a little later that like oh man we're like in the theater in lucasfilm you know when they do their various screenings and things like this is the theater they do it in this is pretty cool (laughs) just sitting in here is cool even if we didn't get to watch anything 
we were, yeah, we were hanging out with Silver Miranda. We were sitting next to them, talking, laughing. Then eventually, yeah, Bad Batch started up. They showed us the first three episodes, which we were very good, and we did not watch ahead of time. So we 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 resisted the temptation to to view screeners, and I'm so glad that we were good. Especially me. I know you you would have been fine, but me, I was like, I just had to pretend like it didn't exist because I was like, we're we're gonna see it. And they said, I don't want it. No, don't do it. So it was yeah, and the episodes were great, which we're gonna talk about later in this episode here. And then it was it was great seeing the bad batch on the big screen. Watching it on the big screen, I was like, there is no reason why there shouldn't be like a special event in movie theaters. Like if they did like that on Wednesday night, see the first three episodes of the bad batch, 90 minutes at your local theater, one night only like they did for the abyss. Like when we went to go see the abyss, or they're doing for movies all the time here. Like they did for the first Dune, like they released it in movie theaters for a weekend or something. Just put the, put it out because I'm telling you people, it looked and sounded great on the big screen. It was like watching a star Wars movie. It was really cool to see him on the, on the screen. And I think that was kind of the thing that kind of sunk in as we were sitting there, too, of like with all the cool stuff that happened over those couple of days, like just having an opportunity to see a Star Wars animated show on a big screen, like which we haven't had that opportunity since the original Clone Wars movie. Um, and there's been so much Star Wars animation since then. Like it was really, really awesome. Yeah, to see him up on the big screen, bright and colorful and, and, you know, without the black bars on the top of the bottom, like on, on the correct aspect ratio screen. And yeah, it just felt like watching a new star Wars movie and the crowd going nuts, not like in a rowdy way, but all in just the right ways, like cheering and gasping and laughing and murmurs when things would have like, you know, and it was just, it was just such a fun way to experience those three episodes. Yeah. And it was cool to be a part of it because, you know, much like screenings at, at celebration, it's like the, the people who are working on these television shows don't get the opportunity necessarily to watch their work with an audience. And, you know, they let us know that in the back, you know, a bunch of the, the crew and, and animators and people who worked on the show were there to kind of just enjoy the vibe with yeah fans watching it live and and reacting and cheering and screaming and and it's definitely you know as cool as it is to watch a new Star Wars show at five in the morning half awake with a big cup of coffee like watching it in a room full of super hyped up Star Wars fans is really the way to do it and you know it was a neat way to cap off the whole experience too because it was like you know going even with rancho obi-wan and going to skywalker ranch and then lucasfilm and then seeing like a finished product at the end of like that all the places we went all leads to this experience of watching a new star wars thing which is great with other fans that are freaking out and crying about omega and crosshair you know and just 
seeing people's faces and then like we all left the theater like a celebration like everyone left the theater freaking jazzed like everyone was just like yeah you know and like buzzing around and it was just it was star wars magic and it's like that's what they're doing out there at skywalker sound that's what they're making at lucasfilm it's it works it's still working they're they're doing it and then we went back to Mel's. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, the, the only way we could top off the night is, I guess we need to go eat more food surrounded by black and white photos of, of George Lucas and listen to the Grease soundtrack. Because <laughs> we, we, we had the shakes at that point. We were like Crosshair. We had the shakes. So we had to go to Mel's and drink some shakes to counteract the shakes. We were walking in the door, and there's a thing on the door, like, thickest shakes in the world or something. And we're like, man, should we get shakes? And we're like, let's do it. That's that's what our bodies need right now. We need to uh, – our our shake tank is uh, depleted. We need to fill it back up. We got out the Motley Crew Magic 8 Ball. <laughs> should we get shakes? <laughs> yeah, dude, do it. Yeah, but that – yeah, it was an uh, um, amazing couple days, and – it was one of those things, too, where it's like, you know, the people we met uh, from Lucasfilm and Skywalker Sound, like, like, in addition to being very talented, very creative people, they're also very nice, very genuine. I think that is definitely part of the success of Lucasfilm and and the companies over the years of, like, it's one thing to be, like, really good at what you do, but it's also another thing to just be a really awesome person. And everyone we've met associated with Lucasfilm, Skywalker Sound, and even Star Wars fans in person are some of the just best, most fun people to hang out with. Yeah, that was an overwhelming thing. And we, we when we were at Mel's that night, we were just like... Why is everyone so nice? Like yeah. every everyone we met was everyone we talked to was so yeah was so nice so kind and and I think that's the thing too that we we had this incredible experience but we're also very 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 grateful for it we're not taking anything for granted and uh, we're so thankful for every aspect of it for. You know, from Rancho Obi-Wan to Anne and Steve and Mac and Christina and Phil and everyone we talked to, everyone we hung out with, the waiters at Mel's, <laughs> everyone, every, you know, just across the board. It just, yeah, we're so grateful for this experience. We We kept saying, too, back in 2015, before The Force Awakens came out, and it was like, we've said this before. We said this when we did a panel at Celebration. We were like, hey, if I started a Star Wars podcast, do you think you'd want to do it with me? And if nobody listens, we'll, we'll stop doing it. And, you know, it's we're just so grateful for every experience we've been able to do. And, yeah, it's, it's nuts. It's really nuts. And we said it before, too. Like, you listening, you people listening right now, everyone listening – if it wasn't for you, we still wouldn't be doing this. So you're part of this also. And we're so grateful for all of you listening too, because like I said, we wouldn't be doing it without you. This podcast still exists because all you crazy people like listening to our nonsense and we just, we, we love you for it. So yeah, thank you so much.
Hey, you want a taste of our new album, Dr. Feelgood, before it's out in the stores? Yeah! Enter the crew contest. Yeah! If you have a touch-tone phone, call us on the Motley Crew hotline. 1-900-932-8-CREW. Yeah! You could win a personal autograph picture from us or a personal phone call to your home. Yeah! While supporting the Make a Difference Foundation. That's 1-900-932-8-CREW. Yeah! Okay, so here we go. Let's talk about the first three episodes of The Bad Batch. Season three, let's start with episode one, Confined. I loved this episode. I really loved this episode. Sitting there in the theater watching it for the first time, I was just like, this is great. Well, yeah, because they're definitely, it's a little different this season. I mean, they're coming in to to, to not just the new season it's the final season and they're kind of slowing it down and yeah being a little more serious getting a little deep but also kind of letting you feel like how omega feels like we know omega's been kind of trapped on tantus for a while and this episode you know especially like if you know if anyone's complaining it's like oh this episode was kind of slow it's kind of like yeah it's kind of slowing things down and kind of putting you in that mindset of like Omega doesn't want to be there and things are just, they're at the, at the worst they've been for the Bad Batch since the beginning of the season. Yeah, it reminded me of uh, the great episode from season two, The Outpost, where kind of having our heroes, Omega and Crosshair, in this horrible kind of situation, this dark kind of oppressive place of Mount Tantus here. And with Omega counting down the days very much it reminded me of ray in the force awakens but also i think that maybe is on purpose with counting down the days on the wall where we are directly now being reminded of sequel trilogy stuff we're seeing where this whole thing is going yeah because even with you know crosshair is kind of in the same deal of just the, the you know the repeating days over and over everything is the same they're just kind of you know crosshairs kind of given up and just kind of uh accepted his fate unfortunately for him but you know omega being omega she's not ready to give up and i, I was thinking too with when we see crosshair and the other clones just kind of shuffling through these hallways being led a- along by the Republic Commando, the ARC Troopers, whatever they're called nowadays, it was kind of giving me THX vibes a little bit because everything gives me THX vibes. Yeah. <laughs> but then I was like, well, let's think about that. Let's think about the THX vibes. You know, even you think of like, you know, Narkina 5 and Andor, the, the whole the idea of the, it's, you know, it's going back to the prison of the mind, the whole thing we talked about endlessly with Andor and that is the THX thing. Cross and like when Omega and Crosshair are talking, Omega's like Omega's this beam of sunshine still to this day. She's fighting. She's like, we have to get out of here. We got to get out of here. But Crosshair's kind of given up, and he's in the prison of his mind. And also, Crosshair's whatever they've done to him, which we don't know, they've done something to him. But his hand is shaking, and the thing that makes him who he is, that he's the best shot 
he's like this genetically made clone who's never misses a shot. He's the best there is. Who is he if he's not that? And that's a classic Star Wars thing. That's like what we talked about over and over again with the book of Boba Fett. And it's also it's like you could say the same thing for Anakin Skywalker. It's it's such a Star Wars thing. Who are you if you're not the thing you think you're supposed to be? Like who are who are you really deep down? It's the question all the clones are asking themselves right now. And it's something that Crosshair is probably looking at for the first time ever. And it's and, and that's THX. That's who are you without the number? Yeah. Well, and it's who are you now, right? Like Right. You were this thing. Are you still this thing or are you something else? And if you're something else, what's stopping you from becoming that something else that you need to be now? What's in your way? What's in your head that's preventing you from being who you need to be for the future? It was meant to be a more philosophical exercise, abstract philosophical exercise about being put in a prison, finding yourself in a prison, asking philosophical questions. You know, why am I here? How did I get here? What am I doing here? What is my place in the universe? And then saying, I'm going to walk out of this prison. I'm going to go into the unknown. I'm going to explore the unknown, which is basically what philosophy is. It asks the hard questions of, you know, what are we doing here? A lot of the reality in this movie is based on belief systems and the fact that if you believe something to be true, then it is. So if you believe you're in prison, you are. If you believe that's a police officer that's dangerous and strong and can beat you up, then he is. But the reality is just the opposite. Well, and then we get Omega and the, our newest buddy, Batcher. There's always room for more Star Wars dogs. And we got these, like, Star Wars rhino dogs. It's like if you mix the solo dogs with a reek. And they say what they're called. I don't remember. But they're... They're, they're wonderful little Star Wars dogs, and there's, of course, a, a sweet one called Batcher that doesn't like to eat, and Omega, of course, is going to become its best friend. And like the Bad Batch, Batcher is not doing what it was trained to be. It doesn't necessarily want to be a, a killer. It, it wants to be something else and kind of explains why Omega kind of feels a, a kinship to him. Yeah, Batcher, like you said, Batcher is the bad batch because it's domesticated. So therefore, in the eyes of people on Mount Tantus, it's not good anymore because they're basically only there for one purpose, for security. If someone escapes, it's like, release the hounds, you know. <laughs> and, but if one of them shows weakness, then it's not good. Then we got to kill it. But it's the weakness and sensitivity and kindness and love is not bad. They're good things, and it's okay for the Bad Batch who were – or clones who were born to be soldiers to have compassion. Like that m makes them people and not just clones. And I, I was – I loved it. I loved Batcher. I was like, this is great. This is great. There's a new buddy in season three. They're bringing in a, a creature buddy for the Bad Batch, and I love it. And then – Little bits of hints of, of what to come. Uh, they're constantly doing blood samples of the various clones. And for some reason, Nalise doesn't want Omega's blood samples to be tested and keeps uh, throwing them in the trash. What does that mean? And we find out uh, Omega's been kind of smuggling straw to make her own 
little doll to replace her uh, Lulu doll. Lula? Is it Lula? Which is really sweet. And then, of course, it gets taken away, but it gets brought back by Omega's older clone sister, Emery, who it's still not clear whose side she's on, if she is uh, an ally or an enemy. And kind of, I think... The whole thing with the show, too, is like what is family is if you're a literal clone of someone and have the same blood, does that make you family or is it something else that makes you family? And I think Omega's kind of trying to learn that, too, because she when she talks to Emery earlier in the episode, it's like, you know, you're a clone. You're just like us. Why aren't you helping us? We should be family. Yeah. Emery is a really interesting character. And yeah, like like you were saying where do her allegiances lie? Because she said she got sent away pretty early. Was she, like what we learned, was she an experiment on Camino that, you know, wasn't going to be raised as a clone trooper, so they sent her here to work because we learned that whatever Hemlock is doing, it's been going on for a while. I don't know, we got to give a shout-out to the dog handler droid that's the same model as the urso family droid from the farm and the way he talks like slated for termination yes Mm, it's protocol anytime we can have a droid with just one big light or camera eye it's the way to go faces are overrated just give it a one big eye it's all we need (laughs) security alert Mm. I thought I was freaking out in the theater. I was like, is he really talking that way? I love it. I know. Well, which is true because I feel like by this episode, it was like my body started to shut down a little bit because I've been like living on adrenaline for two days. And then I was just kind of sinking into my seat. So, yeah, at this point, it's like, is is that how he's talking or am I about to pass out? Shout out to Hemlock's glove. I love that he's just rocking the one glove. Like, does he? Is it like? A, is it a robot hand? Is it a goofy hand? Did he get burned? Does he have like a like a tattoo that is ashamed of? Did he get like a a three eleven tattoo in the nineties and he doesn't want anyone to see it because he's kind of embarrassed by it? I think it's just fashion. That's just he's just a stylish mad scientist. He wants he wants he wants you know the emperor to remember him. So he's not just. Dr. Hemlock, he's the dude with one glove. It's a style. You should like bedazzle it a little bit, put some put some rhinestones on it or something. Yeah, maybe. But later on, like they you know they don't show up, but maybe like when Palpatine's flying to the planet, he's like, Oh, is is that Hemlock? Is that the dude with one glove? And they're like, Yeah. And he's like, Okay, I remember him. That's true. You'll never you'll never forget someone who shows up rocking one glove. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, if you, if you ever have a job interview, maybe show up with one glove, you know, see how it works. They'll they'll remember you. Also, shout out to how Emery says Omega. So you got people saying Omega, and then you got Emery every time saying Omega. Well, Omega says Omega as well. It's the, you know, the the true New Zealand accent coming through. And that was kind of a cool thing with because they had, you know, Michelle Ang and uh, D. Bradley Baker and Jennifer Corbett and Brad Rao there uh, for a wonderful Q&A. moderated by uh, the always incredible Kristen Baver. And Michelle had said how much she enjoyed being on the Bad Batch because she got to act as herself 
and have her own voice and accent and not try to pretend like she doesn't say Omega because she's from New Zealand, which was really cool. And in Star Wars, it's always great if you can have a name that you can be said two ways. You call it Nabu, don't you? Nabu. 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 And the episode ends with Batcher howling at the moon. He just wanted to escape. He went to the ship and tried to turn on the radio to listen to some Ozzy, basically. He wanted to. <laughs> yeah. Is there an 80s metal station on the, on the radio? Hopefully. For Batcher's sake. Maybe Motley Crue is on. Bring it bring it all for full circle. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So then we get into the second episode, Pass Unknown, with a wild opening with the devil people. Maybe keeping the Motley Crue thing going. That that guy's shouting at the devil there, but it didn't work out for him. When they're singing Shout at the Devil in the hit song, Shout at the Devil, it's actually, they're talking about a pike shouting at a devil woman. Yeah, and Pass Unknown. It was, it was great to see it in the theater because when Hunter and Wrecker come in with the pike, the whole crowd cheered. Like you, for a second, you couldn't even hear the dialogue. You hear them like, ah, woo! It was, that was great. And shout out to Angelica Houston as the voice of the Devil Woman Queen. Yeah, I, that was another moment where I'm like, I think I'm still alive, but that sounds like Angelica Houston. But then it was like, well, it makes sense because when she was in to do Visions, they were probably like, you're Angelica Houston and you're awesome. Let's just record a whole bunch of stuff. Do you want to be a devil woman? And she was probably like, yes, of course I do. They want info on where Omega and Hemlock and his singular glove are at. And that takes them to a planet that they go to. There's a bunch of Boba Fett boys. A bunch of Boba Fett boys club. Yeah. The BFBC. Or the B-O-B-B, the book of Boba Boys. (laughs) It's not the Better Business Bureau. It's the book of Boba Boys. And you want to get their their recommendation for your businesses. Are you BBB accredited? Yes, the book of Boba Boys. Think I'm awesome. Which I did not realize that they are the little Boba Boys that in season one, before Camino was about to be blown up, they were the little clone kids that were like, where are we going? That were with, oh, with like a Kaminoan. And they're like, you'll, you'll be safe. Come this way. I think we probably just assumed they were going to die. But no, they've been at this place forever, like Hemlock's precursor to Mount Tantus. Yeah, and this is definitely some uh, Andor vibes of the kids kind of stranded in a jungle planet because the Imperial facility there was blown up and they just kind of left the kids to kind of Lord of the flies survive if they can in the jungle. And the jungle's crazy. There's like weird living vines that the empire created that have now become like these weird creature things and stuff. There's a lot of hijinks going on. The Boba boys, they're thinking maybe they should steal Hunter and Wrecker's ship. You know, and I liked this one too, because you know, just like it's kind of like THX, it it's kind of like Book of Boba Fett. We we say everything's like Book of Boba Fett, but it is kind of like Book of Boba Fett because we've got the little Boba Boys, but they're like, are we bad Boba Boys or are we good Boba Boys? Because they got that Boba DNA in them. They got that Django DNA. 
they want to be good, but the the world's not letting them be good. But here, yeah, they had a choice. They go in the ship. I, they kind of they see Omega's little bedroom, and they're kind of like, oh, maybe these people are okay. It was awesome to get uh, Daniel Logan back, and then also the uh, I can't remember his name, but the the kid from the the Wilder People movie. He was also in uh, the Deadpool movie. It's more uh, New Zealand actor excitement as the as the as the boba boys which i'm great it really was daniel logan because sitting there in the theater i was like man whoever's doing the voice it sounds just like daniel logan (laughs) not even thinking that it really was daniel logan well that's what's fun is that they mixed it it was you know two different actors being the boys so you know when the one would talk you're like that sounds like daniel logan and then the other one would be like that doesn't sound like daniel logan maybe i'm crazy and i think that was their point they're messing with our brains the boba boys and then the boba boys decide they're going to be good boba boys and they help the batch and you know and also this was just like book of boba fett with the big sarlacc kind of monster tentacle teeth thing and they drop a bunch of bombs they drop everything in its mouth and it blows up and i'm like man this is just like book of boba fett but it's book of boba boys yeah the the tree sarlacc yeah try to say book of boba boys and d bradley baker at the same <laughs> in a sentence and you might choke book of boba boys so, and also, just like Book of Boba Fett, this episode ends with everyone laughing, having a good time. Everybody's friends now. And I'm like, man, this is just like Book of Boba Fett. The Bad Batch is finding more more people, more friends, more family for their crew. And it's a nice thing that earlier in the episode, it's kind of like you get the, the, the Batchers, Hunter and Omega are kind of like, man, it's just the two of us. We don't even know where to begin to look for Omega, she's been gone for a long time. They're doing whatever they can and kind of having the Boba Boys on the ship and kind of an air of probably lightness added to the ship. It's it's at least that 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 shot of Hunter at the end, it's kind of given him hope for the future of like maybe this will work out. And if these kids survived, Omega probably can. And that's that's what I was getting. I was like, that's pretty awesome. After that, then we get you know, we had the appetizer. We had two appetizers, kind of. And now the waiter showed up with a, a big silver tray with a mountain on top of it. And they lift up the mountain and it's <laughs> Shadow of Tantis. And things get really, really intense uh, in these first three episodes. It's all about Project Necromancer. And Palpatine is showing up with some cool as hell imperial royal guards and ian mcdermott back as palpatine just doing it and with his creepy yellow eyes popping out of the hood and his chin and his nose it's just brilliant and spooky music and stuff and yeah project necromancer and it's like we talked about before they like even in mandalorian what's like project necromancer is that about is that about clone palpatine and we talked about secret projects going on like in mando season three with everything with dr pershing and all the stuff is this about is this about bringing palpatine back and it's like yeah it is <laughs> like this episode of bad batch is just like yeah that's what we're talking about we're we're bringing we're we're all all roads lead to exegol eventually we're bringing palpatine back i'm into it i think it's great no it's like we got a little a little return of the jedi 
taste in our Bad Batch. And then it's like, yeah, you know what? If they're going to do it, let's do it. And let's have Palpatine, yeah, full on looking at tanks that may have like little naked Palpatine clones in it. Maybe the big tank has a big Snoke in it. We don't know yet, but we know that they are yeah, trying to make little bodies for Palpatine to uh, live forever. When they're saying, too, that it's like it's not a full M count match. It's close, but it's not full. And yeah, I was, kept thinking, like, yeah, was Snoke like a full M count or is Snoke, um, you know, 75% midichlorian count? Palpatine or something because he can do lightning and stuff and he can make things move but you don't see Snoke getting up with a lightsaber and taking everybody down well and then yeah it makes me think like well you know is Snoke something that after the Empire is gone that he kind of escapes like was he not intended to be released in a way but he like has enough power that once real Palpatine's more or less gone that he can kind of take over until you know the spirit of palpatine takes him over or has it always been palpatine and snoke from the beginning i mean it's there's so much nonsense and madness left to come that you know it's it's just fun that they're they're having fun with it and they're they're doing it and they're making it a thing that we're gonna get to experience over the next bunches of star wars stories because it is genius that if if mount tantus gets destroyed like we we thought could maybe happen and maybe project necromancer is like well all of our research is gone all the progress we made we made is gone but then by the time you get to the mandalorian post return of the jedi and these remnants of the empire are kind of scrambling trying to figure out what to do then they kind of might be like yeah we it's if grogu's out there we need his blood like we got to try and figure out what they were doing back on Mount Tantus. You know, that could be what Pershing was trying to do. And I'm like, and then it's, they still can't do it right. And that's why they've got Snoke. And that's why Palpatine's all crazy and rise of Skywalker. And he's got like crumbly dust hands and stuff. He, sh- he should have asked uh, Hemlock for the other glove. He could at least had one glove to keep his crumbly hands together. And the big revelation in Shadow of Tantus that they, why Omega is special and why Nala Se was destroying her blood samples because Omega has uh, the M count that they're looking for, that Omega was like the one clone that has an M count, the high M count. So Omega has potential force abilities. Which is genius because like in season one, everyone's like, oh, is that why she's so special? Because she is like the first clone that they has force abilities and she is. That's what's going on. Yeah. And it's kind of like, oh, does it, you know, is that why Omega just became Nalise's assistant? Because Nalise knew that this was a thing way back when Omega was born and was like, I don't want to. I don't want them to know about this. So we're just going to, you know, I'm going to, she's a failed experiment. She's going to be my assistant. I'm going to protect her. I'm going to keep an eye on her at all times. Nothing can happen to her because now also kind of knows that like the cloning technology, she, she's not down with project necromancer. That's not what they were here to do. And the empire, like everyone is using now who's like one of the only 
Kaminoans left for this kind of necromancy of eventually bringing back a dead Palpatine, which is just so great. You know, and just, yeah, random, the the Palpatine landing full-on Return of the Jedi scene, but with a Kaminoan in it was just like, like, this is the best. It's like Return of the Jedi and Attack of the Clones mashed together. This is like my happy place. It's Star Wars with a capital S and a capital W and then circled. Yeah. yeah. Well, and that got me thinking too, like, you know, why they're, they're looking for Omega because what her high M count and it made me think of Gideon looking for Grogu and my old theory is Grogu actually a clone probably not but maybe like the, the is Grogu a clone of Yoda probably not now because we've seen him you know being rescued by Keller and Beck he was at the Jedi Temple so but maybe anything's possible yeah well and maybe his memories are the memories of the original Grogu who no longer exists or is somewhere else in, in the universe. And he is a clone, but he just has his original Grogu's memories. Cause that's still the question I think about. And sometimes when I'm trying to go to sleep that it's like, well, you know, Keller and Beck rescued Grogu during order 66. And where was Grogu all during the original trilogy until Din Djarin found him in that one place in season one, where was he all that time? And then it got me thinking about rogue one and Jen Erso looking through the files. It's going around on the internet where she's like, you know, Mark Omega. And then when Omega came out and her name was when, you know, when bad batch came out and Omega, we had the name Omega. People were talking about that. And it's like, well, is Mark Omega like a thing that the empire had of like this mission to find Omega or is Mark Omega in the, like, when Jin is going through, is it, like, getting high M count blood for Project Necromancer or something? I don't know. Well, I guess jumping back to the to Project Necromancer stuff, too, like, it does seem like we learn a little bit in Mando Season 3 where it's like Gideon is trying to reproduce Project Necromancer for himself. So it could just be the Grogu bit is just Gideon knows enough about project necromancer to try to recreate it for himself. And he needs, he doesn't have his own force blood to clone. And that's why he needed a, a force baby to steal the blood from, to try to clone the blood mixed with his blood to make his super naked clone army. Cause remember he was trying to make a version of himself with the force. So it seems like there's more, there's more layers to all this necromancer project nonsense than, uh, than we realize my clothes we're finally going to be perfect the best parts of me but improved by adding the one thing i never had the force i was isolating the potential to wield the force and incorporating it into an unstoppable army and you Mother them before they could draw their first breath. That's not Gideon. Those are his clones. I just love it. Rise of Skywalker was like was audacious and outrageous. We're gonna bring back Palpatine for the last movie. And because of that, all these stories are like, oh, we can use that. That's 
That's some wild stuff. Yeah. And you know what? Yeah, it's kind of awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Ian McDermott is around and he's willing to party and they're just letting him party. And it's it's a lot of fun. And another moment where the crowd cheered was good guy Crosshair. When he gets out of his prison cell and he takes down those stormtroopers, the crowd went nuts. People clapping, cheering. You couldn't even hear the action on the screen. And, you know, we, we've been talking for a long time about the greatness of good guy Crosshair. And I love, too, when he's in the woods, when they're escaping and he goes to, like, shoot at the stormtroopers and, like, the arc troopers and all that stuff. And he misses a shot. It's sad. But also it's it's the it's the thing where it's like maybe you're not always going to be that thing you thought you were. But the thing that you thought you were doesn't define who you are. Like his compassion for Omega is what's defining him in this moment. That's his true strength in this moment. Not that you at one time were the best cuz nobody's ever going to be the best at what they used to be their whole lives. Yeah, you can't be the best forever. And they so they finally escape, and again the the crowd cheered. It was just great. And now 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 where are we? So Hunter and Wrecker are looking for Mount Tantus, but they're not even there, right? And Crosshair and Omega escape, but they only escape because they let them escape because now they know that as much as they wanted Omega before. Now they really want Omega because they know that she is the the key to Project Necromancer. And Hemlock and his one glove, they have the full resources of the Empire at his disposal. And the episode ends with the camera on Emery's face looking very concerned. What is Emery going to do? Is she going to stop Hemlock? What about Nalase? What's going on? We know bounty hunters are coming into the story later. We saw... Fennec, we saw Cad Bane, we know they're coming in. How does this all connect? Who are they working for? Who hires them if if they are hired? You know, the other thing we didn't talk about that I honestly, I completely missed this the first time watching the episode is at the very beginning, there's like a little shot of just like some business going on in Tantus and it's the mysterious super soldier sniper is this brainwashed tech soldier was hanging out. Mm-hmm. Right. So just giving us a little taste of that. Is that who they're going to send after them? The pieces have all been set for what is going to be, I think, a great, great season. This is, yeah, what an amazing three episode beginning. All killer, no filler. Watched it again at home. Still great. I can't wait for Wednesday for part four. Yeah, we're, it, we, we had our little breather and now uh, we're back drinking from the Star Wars fire hose spraying us in the face with excitement every week with frozen Han Solo. Is Han Solo completely frozen Stormtrooper? Yes, Boba Fett. Action figures each sold separately. Place them in the prisoner retention unit. Slave One has a rear loading ramp. Prepare for takeoff. Check. Movable cannons and gravity-operated wings that trigger lock. On the trouble. 
slave one with frozen Han Solo from Kenner's Star Wars, The Empire Strikes Back collection. Action figures each sold separately. This is Captain Rex. You're listening to Jason and Gabe on Blast Points. And these last points, too accurate for sand people. Only Imperial stormtroopers are so precise. listen on something apple go over there write something nice about this episode about any episode about the show in general leave a five-star review and that will help more people find blast points when they're looking for star wars podcasts and check out our website blastpointspodcast.com and make sure you are following us on instagram twitter and facebook and if you're on facebook make sure you are in our super chill group and if you want to support the show in a different way, we got the Blast Points Army on Patreon, where we're due to do other stuff. But now Bad Batch is going to take over, and reviews for the rest of the season are going to be over there on the Blast Points Army, probably starting like next weekend or something. Yeah, I know we've been saying we're going to get back to the Patreon, and we intend to get back to the Patreon, but I think for real this time we will be back on the Patreon with Bad Batch episodes most likely every week unless we bundle them up we haven't decided but most likely every week there will be a new Bad Batch review episode so look forward to that over there on the Patreon all the way until May which is crazy and next week on Blast Points is the kickoff to a new month long series that is going to be pretty exciting that we are really looking forward to. So starting next week, the entire month of March is going to be themed around one kind of general topic. It should be a fun one. Yeah, should be really good. Should be really good. Something we hardly ever talk about. And it's not Return of the Jedi or the Book of Boba Fett or THX-1138. So. Yeah, yeah. What could it be? So, again... Huge thank you to everyone out there in Northern California that made this experience possible. Huge thank you to all of you listening, and we will talk to you next week. Yeah, thank you, everybody, and uh, yeah, have a good week. Bye-bye. May the Force be with you. Goodbye, old friend. May the Force be with you.
must be very proud of this because it, it, it does, it, it, it makes a statement, but it's not a statement for show. It's a statement for a purpose. The purpose yeah. being, you know, the stimulus and the comfort of people who want to do their job well. Right. We have, uh, I mean, this building looks like a giant building, but this whole end here is a library. This whole end over here is restaurants. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's really, which is the, the core of any film company, is to have a lot of research and a lot of food. <laughs> <laughs> it's all very advanced, but Lucas says Skywalker Ranch exists for a basic reason, to make the filmmaking process simpler and more enjoyable. Leonard Malton, Entertainment Tonight. I want to go. May the force be with you! Ah!